Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with TJ Mercer. That's my TT. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my TT. I just loves me some porta potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall, there's no toilet paper or seat cover, you handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how much of Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips, you going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean. So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code RAMBLINGS, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. I am TJ Mercer. I am known as the walking exclamation point on most days. Uh, and most days I'm also known as the chief noisemaker of Media Mavericks Academy, which means I teach my authors, my experts, my coaches, my entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. But for the month of August, we're 25 days in. I have shown up every day when God took me back to my roots as the Bible storyteller. And I have just taught straight from his word and only what he's told me to say. Uh, I have been assigned the task for the month of August to be your Moses. God basically told me I got to go and go get you out of Egypt. And so some of you, hey, Miss D, lipstick chatter. So uh, some of you have really hooked your train to my caboose as we have left Egypt and we are awakening the Peter in us. And we have literally just really watched God show up and show out during this season. And um, today I can already feel it. Where my towel? <laughs> it's like, wait, let me make sure I get my towel. I can already feel it. Um, <laughs> Lucinda says, nope, don't need the link. We're we going to need our steel toes on. Uh, I don't know if it's going to, it's a matter of your steel toes, but this one, this one got me in, in preparation for it. And we're still, we're still making our way through uh, this whole study has been a look at Peter, Peter's journey, things he's witnessed, his training ground for 
all the time he spent with Jesus. Um, and we still haven't, we've been, we've been laying the foundation. We still haven't been, hi Richard, we still haven't turned the corner into what Peter ended up being. We just been observing his training ground. And today is no different. Today is no different. So with that said, y'all ready to eat? Uh, Patrice, let um let Miss T Beverly Tyson know I gotta build the case. So y'all gotta stick with me. Shakita, Kita, let Tish know. We're gonna be traveling through scripture because I gotta I gotta build the case. Nejus, tell Chantel, aka lipstick chatter, that we're gonna we're gonna spend some time in the scripture because I gotta build the case. And if I build the case like God has given it to me, today you're gonna leave out of this not the same. So I need you to stick with me. And even when you feel like, where in the heck is she going? I need you to kind of just roll with me and, and stand on what you know about me. That I'm, I'm gonna take you somewhere. Let's go. Luke 9. 21 through 22. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The son of man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Jump down to 951. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolved, he was determined to set out for Jerusalem. He, he knew what his assignment was and he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 13, 22. I didn't even get to two scriptures without the tears. Luke 13, 22. Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he went, always pressing on towards Jerusalem. So we, we got three scriptures of just kind of seeing that Jesus took his assignment seriously. And he, he may have made detours, but he still, he had Jerusalem in his mind's eye. He knew that that was the ultimate of where he was going. So Tish, Dana, Lashenda, Nejus, I need the chat to stop. I need everybody to close your eyes. And th this may be a little tough for some of you. So if it, if it gets to be too much, tap out. But I, I need you to close your eyes and I need you to let your mind go to where I'm getting ready to take you. I don't need you typing in the chat. I need you focused in. Um, I know a lot of you listen and you multitask, but on, on this, I just need you to stop and close your eyes and I need you to just focus in on, on what I'm going to read to you. And again, if it gets if it gets too much for you to handle, it's okay, tap out. But just, if you can just hang with me because I, I need to, to build the case. I need to lay the foundation. So, so the, the message that God wants me to, to communicate today, you get it. And you're not gonna get it if you're distracted. 
someone nailed to a crucifix with their arms stretched out on either side could expect to live for no more than 24 hours. Seven inch nails would be driven through Jesus's wrists so that his, his bones there could support his body's weight and the nail would sever the median nerve, which not only caused him immense pain, but would have paralyzed his hands. His feet were nailed to the upright part of the crucifix so that his knees were bent at around 45 degrees and his executioners would break his legs to give him no chance of using his thigh muscles as support. His strength would not have lasted more than a few minutes, even if his legs were untouched. And Patrice, once, once his legs gave out, his weight would be transferred to his arms. And Dana gradually dragging his shoulders from his, his sockets, lipstick chatter, his elbows and his wrists would follow a few minutes later. And so by now his arms would be six or seven inches longer because his poor body already beaten and bruised was being stretched beyond comprehension of what his body was designed to take. So Jesus would have no choice but to bear his weight on his chest until she would, he would immediately have trouble breathing as his weight would cause his rib cage to lift up and force him into an almost perpetual state of inhalation. It's like he, he was drowning without water because suffocation would follow Lashenda, but the relief of death could also arrive in other ways. And look at it as the relief of death. He's, he's in so much pain. And the resultant lack of oxygen in the blood would cause damage to his tissues and his blood vessels, allowing fluid to diffuse out of the blood into tissues, including the lungs and the sac around his heart. Elsie, this would make his lungs stiffer and make breathing even more difficult. Even the pressure around his heart would impair is pumping and so he would he would ultimately die kita that's what jesus pressed his way through so when we when we read he resolutely made his way to jerusalem and when we read that he went through the towns teaching and preaching but he was still pressing his way through to this kind of death. It puts those scriptures in a, in a slightly different light. When you, when you know really what he knew and he had processed. And yet all through scripture, we see him pressing through to Jerusalem because he knew his assignment. So he wasn't going to let anything stop him from his assignment, knowing full well that this was the agony he was going to face. And he, he told them, he, he, he warned them 
He knew this. This, this is not like he was surprised in what was going to happen to him. He knew. He said it. The son of man must suffer many terrible things. And what I just read to you was what happened on the cross. That doesn't include the beatings he endured before he even got to the cross. And yet he let nothing stop him from his assignment. So I needed to show you what the end looked like so that you can fully appreciate the things that he did, the detours that he took, the time that he spent pouring into Peter and his disciples and the patience he demonstrated in the midst of knowing they didn't get it, but he knew where he was going. So go over to Matthew 26 and two. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, Passover begins in two days and the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. He knew. He didn't say the son of man will be put in a gas chamber and it's going to just fade out of this life. He, he, he didn't say that he was just going to get a fatal cocktail in his arm. He said, the son of man will be handed over to be crucified. Luke 11, 14 through 54. And even when, when we, what we're going to do now is we're just going to kind of track back some of the things that he did with such determination and so, so much resolve and so much um, unbotheredness of how he handled people and how serious his mission was. I love this passage because it, 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 it Jesus was just dope. No, no matter how you cut it, he was just dope of just the confidence of how he operated and the swag by which he walked. It says one day Jesus cast out, cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, no matter, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that. Well, let's put, dem demand it. De demanded it. They better put some respect on his name. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show the miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts. Hmm. So he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan. He puts some bass in his voice. But if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? The, the, the little people that's doing all the sorcery, they cast out demons too. So will you will so they will condemn you for what you have said. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until 
someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't with me, Dana, anyone who isn't rolling with me, opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me, Elsie, is actually working against me. When an evil spirit leaves a per person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all, well, all swept in in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before in 27. As he was speaking, a woman in the crowd was like, yes, baby, yes. God bless your mama, the room, the womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus replied, ah, hold up, don't miss the point. But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And as the crowd pressed in, so Jesus is pressing towards Jerusalem and the crowds are pressing on in him and they're trying to like, they, they don't know what to believe. They, they've never seen something like this. And Jesus, he said, this evil generation keep asking me to show them a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of Jonah. What happened to him was a sign to the people of Nineveh that God sent them had sent him. What happened to the son of man will be assigned to these people that he was sent by God. The queen of Sheba will stand up against his generation on judgment day and condemn it for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you still refuse to listen. The people of Nineveh, Nineveh will also stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here. Delmar, but you refuse to repent. No one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, Bert, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Mom, your eye is like a lamp, Patrice, that provides light for your body, not Yvette's body, not Audrey's body, not Tish's body, your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have while you walking around and flossing your light, make sure the light that you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with the light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Ah, I like this part. This, this is the part I talked to y'all about the other night. I was like, Jesus, you in the, in the man's house. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. Bruh, um, you may want to rethink that. You may, somebody should have warned him. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. 39, then the Lord said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and witness. Jesus, what are your manners? What, what are your manners, Jesus? You in the man's house, fools. Don't, yo, he called them fools. In the man's house. Didn't make, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside, Bert? 
Melissa, clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. What's, oh, y'all don't even see what's coming. What, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk around like a peacock in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow, oh, Jesus, you're in the man's house. What sorrow awaits you for you are like hidden graves in a field. Deborah, people walk over them without knowing the corruption they're stepping on. Teacher, said an expert in British law, you have insulted us too in what you said. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Jesus didn't back down. Yeah, pretty much. What sorrow also awaits you experts in religious law for you crush people with unbearable religious demands and you never lift a finger to ease the burden. What sorrow awaits you, Elsie, for you built monuments for the prophets your own ancestors killed long ago. But in fact, you stand as witnesses who agree with what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets and you join in their crime by building the monuments. This is what God in his wisdom said about you. I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute the others. And as a result, as a result, this generation will be held responsible for the murder of all of God's prophets from the creation of the world, from the murder of Abel to the murder of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes. It will certainly be charged against this generation. Jesus, you are in the man's house. Where are your manners? What sorrow waste you, you experts in religious law, for you remove the key to knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom, your darn selves, and then you prevent others from entering. And, and he was like, you know what? I got to go. And as Jesus was leaving, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees began host began, became hostile and tr tried to provoke him with many questions. They wanted to trap him into saying something they could use against him. This is the Jesus who was pressing towards Jerusalem. These, these are the things he was handling, knowing what kind of death awaited him. And yet he, he didn't back down. Go over to Luke 20, one through nine. One day as Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders came up to him like, yo, y'all, the word hadn't spread. Jesus ain't to be played with. Like y'all didn't really catch that. Jesus ain't the one. You don't want none of his smoke. Y'all ain't got that yet. Like leave that dude alone. You know, like you, yo, I, you know how when we were growing up, there were certain kids that you know, they ain't to be, mm, yeah, they ain't to be messed with. That, yeah. It's like, he just ate y'all up. Y'all didn't tell your boys? Like, y'all may not want none of this. Just let him, just, hey, just, when he show up, just give him the floor. We'll discuss it later, but let him just do what he does. Because that, that bro, mm-mm. So they came up to him and they, they, mm, those keep demanding stuff. They demanded, Dolly, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? <sighs> you can't you imagine like if you've been following Jesus and you kind of know his reputation by now and you see this and you just like, yo, mm. 
y'all don't want that. Like, mm, mm, no, no. Mm. You're trying to signal to him like, no, cut it out. <laughs> it's like, no. And they, but they just so smart. Verse three. Well, let, well, how about let me, let me, let me ask you something first. He replied, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? I told y'all don't say nothing. Cause you can't, he's slick. He can't, you can't pin him down, but they talked it over amongst themselves. And if we say it was from heaven, he will ask, why didn't we believe John? But if he said it was merely human, the people will stone us because they, they are convinced John was a prophet. Look at what they came up with. These smart people, these are teachers and the it says the leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders. So these were the smart people. These were the Einsteins. So they just said, I don't know. What now? And Jesus responded, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. I was like, when I pictured that, I was just like, Jesus is cold-blooded. Like, I love my dude. Like, he is cold-blooded. Then, verse 9. Now, Jesus turned to the people again and told them the story. Like, okay, I mean, just picture. He in the middle of teaching. The people who are like listening, like, oh my God, this is so good. I've never heard teaching like this. Oh my God, I cannot believe this dude. He's just brilliant. Then the, the leaders are coming in, interrupting his flow. You sitting there like, wait, yo, come on now. Can you wait till the dude finishes? Like, come on now. And then Jesus drops the mic on them and Jesus turns back to the people. Now, where was I? What was I saying? And he proceeds to launch into another story. That's our Jesus. That 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 that's who is pressing. This that's that's who's handling things like this as he's pressing towards Jerusalem. Cadet, uh, is it Cadet Health says TJ man? I never read it like that. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's my. It's not me. Trust me. It's not me. Luke 22. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Mark 4, 435. Mark 435. As evening came, we know this story. Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. But as soon as soon a fierce storm came up, highways were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. And Jesus was taking a nap. Verse 38. He's taking a nap in the back of the boat. His head was on the cushion. He was, he was really like, he was sleep, sleep. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care what we're going, that we're going to drown. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, hey, shut up. I'm trying to nap. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked him, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So remember when we originally taught this, they didn't turn back around because we know from whatever day I taught this that Jesus had an assignment. Go to five, go to, go to Mark five, verse one. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Jesus stepped out of the boat. He, his nap had been disrupted. 
And now crazy person is the first person who greets him. Not no, you know, fanfare greeting party with flowers and roses like, you know, um, Mr. Rourke on Fantasy Island, like crazy. The man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he was often would, he snapped the chains from the wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough. We've already covered this, but we just need to set the stage. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp tones, stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him like, yo, and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed. I'm not going to do the voice tonight because y'all laughed at me the last time I did the voice. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Like, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? So I'm, I'm still, I know who you are, so I'm going to put some respect on your name. So I'm, I'm going to give you your props, son of the most high God, not son of God, son of the most high God. So there is none uh, above him, son of the, I'm, I'm going to put some respect on your name. In the name of God, I beg you don't torture me. Because see, dude, I, I, I know what you're capable of. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come on out of the man. Come out, you, come out, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded, oh, now Jesus is demanding. What is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside this man. And then the evil spirits begged him again, again, not to send them to some distant place. They had to beg him. They chose to go to the pigs and there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs. They, they chose to go to the pigs. The spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus, permission granted. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and, enter, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down into the steep hillside of the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran and people rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had possessed, who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was just sitting there all calm. Charlie, is that Charlie? That's Bertha's boy. You know, the one is closed, it's normal. That's Bertha's. Charlie is cute when he ain't possessed and crazy and foaming at the mouth. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. And those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away. They trying to get rid of Jesus and leave them alone. But as Jesus was getting into boat, Charlie, the man who had been demon possessed, begged to go with him. Can you imagine for so long you've been haunted by something you can't get over on your own? And then one day it suddenly happens and a man shows up and gives you your freedom. I wouldn't. Everybody else is scared of him, except that one that had that authentic encounter with Jesus that he pressed through the storm because he knew he had this assignment for that one. Everybody else was like, you got to go. The other man was like, if you got to go, I'm going with you. 
19, but Jesus said, no, I need you to go home to your family. And I need, I need you to tell them that everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he's been. Jesus is always on assignment. In the midst of him getting to his big assignment, there are other things that he's got to do. But it's not changing the ultimate assignment. Go to John 13. Hey, meaty. Go to John 13. One through seven. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. Catch what he says next. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. And we've, we've talked about that on the hardest night of his life, they ain't got it, but on the hardest night of his life, this is where he chose to be with his boys. And let your mind go back to the death that he knew he, he was going to die, the method with which he knew he was gonna die. And yet this is what he chose to do on his last night. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Verse three, Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew that. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. We've already taught this. <clears throat> then he began to wash the disciples' feet. This is what our savior does on his way to the cross. This is what he chooses to do. This is how he chooses to spend his hour. He began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And we already talked about it. And Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing. But someday you will. Nah, Peter protested, you'll never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, Peter, my rock, unless I wash you, you won't, you won't belong to me. And Peter was like, yo, here, have at it. Get every crevice because I want you. Then wash my hands and head and everything, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Pop over to 14, John 14, one through four. This is what Jesus decided to do on his last night. Don't let your hearts be troubled. In that moment, you can just, 
He's trying to reassure them. He know what's ahead and he's trying to reassure them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home because if this were not so, what I've told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you, he's still setting them up. And when everything is ready, I will, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know to where I'm going. Pop over to Luke 22, 39 through 44. So they've had the Lord's Supper. Simon Peter has been told he's going to even then in that moment, Jesus is still knowing what's ahead of him. He's still, he's warning Peter in 31. He's, he's warning him what's going to happen. Most of us would be over in some corner, not wanting to talk, trying to figure out, I've been in prayer and fasting. I wouldn't even want to eat. And yet Jesus was with his boys and having that final quality time. And he doesn't tell them anything else. He doesn't harp on the kind of death he's going to have. Instead, he's spending his time loving on them and reassuring them. And then letting Peter know, I've prayed for you and letting Peter know it's gonna happen, but you are gonna come back to me. That's what he's doing as he's pressing his way. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives there. He told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and Peter's watching this. Peter is there and knelt down and prayed. This is when we hear is, is weighing in on him and the images. How, how long, God, are you going to let me have to suffer and suffocate? How long am I going to be on that cross before you going to just take over? Father, if you're willing, just please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done. I still want to please you. And I love God because then it says an, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened Jesus. But he still, he prayed more fervently. Now reading how we started this and seeing the death by which he would die and really what crucifixion is. Now we can understand why he was praying this prayer so fervently and he was in such agony. It's, it should be making sense now, Patrice. It should be making sense, Listic Chatter. It should be making sense, Elsie. It should, this prayer should read a little differently now, now that we know how he's going to die. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. At last, he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Pop over to John 18, four through 10. Actually, pick it up at three. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now, 
With blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Look at what it says. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward. Let that sink in. He knew he was headed to his death and he stepped forward. Like, just really let that sink in. Like, we've seen movies where they're having to drag someone to the chamber. But on this, Jesus stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? He asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied, I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. And Jesus said, I am he. They all drew back and fell to the ground. And once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus, the Nazarene. I told you that I'm he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, still looking out for him, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said, Peter, dude, come on, Peter, get yourself together. Put your sword back into the sheep and then check out what he says. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the father has given me? If ever there was a moment for Jesus to get revenge, that would have been it because Peter was ready. Jesus easily could have been like, well, I got to die anyway. So what I care about your little ear, but that ain't not Jesus. Go over to 19, one through 12. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with the lead tipped whipped. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put, put it on his head and they put a purple robe on him. Hail King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, by our law, he ought to die because he called himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me? Pilate demanded. There go people demanding stuff. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Now go back. Jesus had been flogged with a lead tip whip. He had been slapped around. Jesus said, you have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. I just realized I'm missing a, a scripture, an important scripture that I didn't write it down. I got to get it. So give me a give me a minute, guys. I got to go get it. Um, I got to go get it because this was crucial for me. And I couldn't believe I didn't write it down. Give me a second, okay? Y'all probably need the break. Um, go to Matthew 26. Nope, that's not it. Uh, hold on. That's not the one I want. 
Okay, Luke 22, sorry. Luke 22, 54. We've read this all the time, but this, this is the time. This is one more piece I want to pull out of here. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a, a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's Galilean too. Now, keep in mind what's happening here. Jesus is being beaten, slapped around while Peter is out there denying him. 61. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. When I read that in the context of knowing that Jesus is being beaten and he still had the presence of mind to be concerned about Peter. Think about it, if you're being beaten, are you really hearing a rooster? Do you even have a concept of where Peter is? But Jesus did. I can't even imagine like his eyes may be swollen shut, but he can see enough to lock eyes with Peter in the middle of the beginning of his agony. He knew that there was more. This is just the beginning of his agony. And he's still, and so I'm wondering, is Peter's, is that part of also why Peter was weeping, that it had to hit him? Yes, the words are coming back to me, but I'm watching this man, I'm watching my savior getting beat and he's still thinking about me. But let's keep reading about what else Jesus is doing. Go to John 19, one through 12. Then, oh no, is that what we just read? Okay, no, we did 19, one through 12. Okay, so we read that. Go to Luke 23 through 28. No, Luke, uh, start at 26. So Luke 23, start at 26. And they led Jesus away. A man named Simon who, remind, remember, they've been beating him. A man named Simon who was from Cyrene happened to be coming in from the countryside. And the soldier seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. 27, a large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. And Jesus already beaten and battered and eyes swollen, blood running down his back. He turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never been nursed. Jesus can't even carry his own cross and he's still loving on people. He's still ministering to people. He's still reassuring people. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For these things are done when the tree is green. What will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed, they nailed him to the cross. 
and the criminals were also crucified and one on his right and one on his left. So we know from the beginning they've they've nailed his hands and so it's caused his hands to be paralyzed. And yet he still he still finds the words to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. He's still thinking about the people that are sitting here literally murdering him. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of Jews, save yourself. And a sign was fastened above him with these words. The words read, Melissa, this is the king of the Jews. Lipstick chatter, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal, the other criminal who knew he deserved to be there, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I'm wondering at this time, has the weight, have they broken his legs? And has the weight, has his, his shoulders started separating? And he's, he's about five or six inches longer. As he, he still has the presence of mind, Tish. He's hearing this man's plea. In the middle of his own agony, he still has an ear for this man. And not only does he have an ear, but as one of the last things he does, he still says, I assure you today. So this man is not going to die with a negative thing hanging over him. He still, he made sure this man died with a reasonable amount of peace. I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's our savior who did that. In the middle of his own pain, the blood is, is now coming up in his chest and he's still ministering to people. He's still completing his assignment. Go over to Matthew 27, 45 through 46. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. He was in so much pain, barely able to breathe, Yvette. Couldn't get his breath, Lashenda. So much so that he thought his dad had abandoned him. He thought his daddy had abandoned him. 
Go back over to Luke 23. Forty-four. By this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down in the middle. Then Jesus shouted, in the midst of it all, he shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, Laz, those words, Patrice, those words, Elsie, and with those words, Bert, Those words, Yvette, those words, Delmar, with those words, Dana, the press to Jerusalem was over as he breathed his last. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. I'm not going to give you the acronym tonight because I just need that. I need that to sit. I have it, but I want you to think about your individual assignments on your life. And I'm 99.9% .9 sure that none of you, none of us has been given an assignment to die a brutal death. And we've not been given the assignment to have to press towards our death. So why can't we press towards the assignment that God gave us? It ain't nowhere near like this. So I'm going to leave that right there. I'm going to leave that for you to think about. If Jesus could have that kind of resolve, that kind of determination on the way to a brutal death, why can't you have that same kind of determination for your assignment? That's my heart. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you. It's my prayer, Lord, that this sits. And I delivered it in such a way that Lynn, Lashenda, Tish, Patrice, Elsie, Dana, Mom, Miss T., Channing, Melissa, Negus, that the next time they get discouraged in any of my replay, all my tea lights, lipstick chatter, that the next time they get discouraged and frustrated and disappointed and angry, that they remember this lesson on day 25. Lord, I pray that I remember it when my assignment gets too overwhelming and too great that I balance it out by recognizing my assignment is nothing like you caused your son to have to go through. He is the ultimate example, not just for Peter, but for us. He makes our assignments look like 
learning our ABCs and our one, two, threes. Lord God, this whole message has jacked me up. And so I don't want to be alone. I'm hoping it's jacked my tea lights up too so that they, they won't leave tonight ever being the same. That this lesson will sit with them 20 years from now when they're facing stuff that they have to go that ain't nowhere near the cross. Why am I tripping? And God, my desire is... <laughs> Just as you didn't allow Jesus out of his assignment, that you don't allow my tea lights out of theirs. It's okay to ask why I got to do this. Why? But help them still to get back to not my will, but yours be done. Help them be so committed to the assignment you gave them. So committed to pleasing you. That is non-negotiable to get out of the assignment. They can take the example of Jesus. He was scared. He was nervous some days. His anger got the best of him. He was frustrated. He was distressed, but he always pressed. He knew that was the journey. And just like our title, this ain't no permanent press cycle. We're not gonna get out of this without wrinkles. I thank you, Lord, that this is the final letter of purpose. And that you're so dope that when you gave me purpose to teach, I didn't know where you were going with it, but I trusted. And so for the last seven nights, you've allowed me to dig deeper into purpose. And so, Lord, I pray that for the last seven days that all the nuggets that you individually wanted them to meet, the custom nuggets that was for them, they all didn't get the same nuggets, but whatever they needed to pick on, pick up on, that they got it. So we love you, oh God. And we thank you for the work that you're doing. We thank you for being so utterly faithful and loving us when we, I love you, God. I love you. Thank you for building me the way you built me. Thank you for letting me come into my own and being confident that this is how I get down in such a way that I make your word plain for the people you've given me. I felt that when Jesus said, I honor my commitment to keep the ones you've given me. That is my desire, Lord, that I keep every single tea light that you've given to me for this assignment. All right, Lord. Keep them up tonight if you need to so that they ask themselves, what am I tripping on? I ain't called to die on the cross. I can do my assignment. I ain't called to die no brutal death. Not only am I not called to die, I didn't even call to die brutally. Like, what am I tripping on? This I ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Talk to me, T-Lights. Y'all all right? Talk to me. Lynn says, it's taking me out like when I watched the passion of the Christ. You were that powerful a teacher. Thank you, Lynn. Lashenda, I'm fully committed, Lord, to your will and to your way. Patrice says, we haven't been asked to die. We haven't had to be resolute and pushing toward a painful end. <sighs> Tish says, no, I ain't all right. <laughs> I told y'all, for some, for those of you who saw my post um, 20 minutes before I went live, I was like, 
I already can tell I'm going to jack some of y'all up because I was jacked. Melissa says, this was so good, Teach. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Delmar says, you made it vivid and brought us into his journey. Uh, Miss Mary says, Lord, I will complete my assignment. Yeah, you basically got a, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? I love you, mom. Nija says, hard, but much needed a remembrance of my daddy. Oh, Dolly, you're most welcome. Thank you, Teej, for making it plain and powerful. All right, T Lights, let's count it down. 10, 9. Yvette says, never be the same. I can't trip anymore. <laughs> 8, 7, 6. Ms. Rochelle says, uh, where is it? Ms. Rochelle, Ms. Rochelle says, thank you. I messed up too. We all messed up. Ah. Lashenda says, press on, soldiers. Five, four. Channing says, I press on with the heat of forgiveness, gentleness, and glory. Three, Elsie says, I have no words. Me either, Elsie. Y'all know what I'm going to do. I got to go watch um, <laughs> Quantico. Y'all know my checkout moment. Three, two. Thank you, Miss Mary. One, I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Patrice, don't let me forget to start off tomorrow by giving the press acronym. Um, I just want you guys to sit in this, this feeling, this moment right now. All right, so don't let me forget. Somebody remind me, Yvette, Tish, uh, Patrice, something. All right, love it. Okay, bye. Well, that's it. Hopefully you enjoy what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make God smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signing off now. See y'all later.